0: The blood, the sweat, and the tears of sheroes and heroes, some whose names we know and some whose names we do not know. But I'm going to tell you something, we have been here before. Now the only difference is we got some company, right We got our gay, lesbian sisters and brothers with us this time. We got our Hispanic. Asian Native American sisters and brothers with us this time. I think Dr. Ray-
1: Fucking assholes.
2: One of the world's thickest mountain glaciers is melting, and that's bad news for all of us. A new analysis found that the Taku Glacier near Juneau, Alaska has begun retreating due to rising temperatures. Taku is the largest of 20 major glaciers in the region and very deep. It stretches nearly 4,900 feet from surface to floor. Taco had been growing in size for nearly half a century even when all the nearby glaciers shrank but now it's melting due to climate change has finally become visible NASA released new satellite photos taken in August 2014 and August of this year the icy platforms where the glacier meets a river is retreating for the first time since scientists began studying it in 1946 in the study published in the journal remote sensing Scientists say Taku is retreating more quickly than they had expected. The melting of glaciers and sea ice leads to global sea level rise. A study earlier this year found we're losing up to 390 billion tons of ice and snow every year due to a warming climate.
0: All right, and uh, now it is recording, Winecellarmedia.com. It's uh, Chelsea Springler here again. And before it gets real, what, what, Okay netflix tiger king i looked at a few seconds and i realized this could be a long binge i had to turn it off what 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 is this (laughs) well
3: thanks for having me on the show william and uh well happy to be back and i'm happy that we are starting this uh this wild wild world that we're in right now with tiger king to lead it um yeah tiger king where to start with that one? Um, I have, honestly, I have not finished it myself, so I don't want to speak too much on, uh, and I don't know how it's going to end. I do know the guy's in jail now for attempted uh, murder hire. That's, that's what I know. But, um, you know, it just sounds like a true American story. It's, um, you I, know, the way I put it is white patriarchy with, uh, with gays included now um fighting white feminists basically uh who, this lady actually runs a nonprofit to save the save the animals but uh the late the main woman Carol Baskin in it but she, they're doing the same thing as the, the private owners so it's kind of a there's no heroes in that story for sure so
0: no it like for folks familiar with this podcast like from what I saw, it looks like a long episode of white on white crime, and uh, I might dig oh, yeah. into it. Yeah, the guy just a, a dyed blonde mullet, high femme guy, country accent. There's so many elements. I swear I saw Juggalo the first couple minutes. I saw the 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 yeah. guy. He was hosting the show, like like bringing in guests to give him a tour of his uh, zoo, and he said you might get. Yeah. It, it, they might pee on you but i have t-shirts that say i got peed on by a tiger I was like that's a liability mm-hmm. and he's profiting like i don't know what what kind of infection could come from tiger urine landing on someone but <laughs> buy a t-shirt yeah all right now um, yeah he, uh...
3: yeah,
0: go ahead oh yeah what uh, what do you got there
3: Oh no, I was just gonna say it they're semi illegal but legal enough in the United States. So they, they hire people to focus to, to, to uh you know, pay 'em a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars a week to be working on this, you know, these uh these private zoos all day. Um and but house them in, you know, deplorable conditions and um, it's uh, so it's it's wild, but they'll find folks who you know get out of jail or, or are homeless and um, kind of say, "Hey, we got this job for you. Just come do all this potentially illegal stuff, and you know, live on this. Uh, you know, live on this weird property with us." And uh, but they find a you know misfit family there. That's that's the trip. If you, you see all kinds of you know. You kind of feel for them and then you don't because there's all kinds of exploitative stuff going on and it's just the trip highly recommend people watch it and see all that uncover all that yeah
0: all right so that's your uh that's that's chelsea springler telling you folks what to chill with during the coronavirus me i went back in time myself I um th- I know folks like their oranges, the new black and uh, Wentworth, but uh, I went back in time and got the old British program, Bad Girls, the DVD box set, and like toward the end, um, almost at season eight here, it's uh you you also you find there's just no one to root for, like you have Jim Fenner who is the ultimate villain, has raped everybody, and is just a horrible yeah. prison guard. You've seen that program? <laughs>
3: I have
0: not, no. Oh, yeah, it's tough. And you can't, like, and then there's a cisgender gay man in there. But, like, as far as identity politics go, you can't root for that character because that character raped Jim Fenner. And it's like, I'm not going to root for a rapist for raping a rapist. That's also bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's just horrible characters. Yeah. Kind of like
3: what's happening between the Democratic and Republican establishment right now, you know, there's no heroes in that with the election coming up. I mean, there's Bernie, which they're still trying to destroy more than anything else. Um, the Democrats, at least. Um, but, you know, you, you've just got this. It goes from worse to worse. Um, you know, between Biden and and Trump, and uh, I know that was something that we've been, been chatting about and wanted to talk with, but
0: yeah, now that and and that was quite the segue. Joe Biden. Now, um, now I, I I listen to podcasts every day, listen to a couple shows every day. And uh, about four years ago, I subscribed to this program called uh, The Katie Halper Show. And one of the first episodes I hear, Katie Halper's interviewing Juanita Broderick, uh, raped by Bill Clinton. Uh, when he was, uh, I think, uh, running for governor of uh, Arkansas, and um, mm-hmm. and down the line, uh, Katie Halper does a pretty decent program. I think um, writes articles, writes essays. Um, now uh, does another program with uh, with Matt Taibbi, and uh, here is Katie Halper again. And um, I remember the snippet first dropped, and it was Katie Halper interviewing a um Tara. U- that's my bad on not having the name right in front of me. <laughs> but, um, interview Yeah
3: Tara Reed, yeah.
0: Tara Reed and, um, a victim yeah. of, uh, Joe Biden from 1993. Did you, uh, did you hear that audio? Yeah. Yeah.
3: I listened to it. I think, you know, the one I felt, yeah, I saw it on the hill, um, the interview on the hill, um, for that. Yeah. It was pretty, uh, pretty shocking. Um, but I don't know if we want to discuss this on your program. How graphic these um, guys want to?
0: Oh yeah, it's 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 all, it's all it. right. But,
3: yeah, but um, you know, just basically, you know, for those who are unfamiliar with it, uh, you know, she was a staffer in what, is 1993, when yeah. Biden was a was a senator. Um. So, uh, and I think she. I'm paraphrasing this. I'm pretty sure she said this, unless I'm imagining it. But. Um, she said, "You know, that she hoped to one day maybe, uh, you know, be a be the president someday, or be be an elected official instead of, and you know, instead of that, she ended up just being molested by one, um, and that kind of struck her career down. But she, um, so she was sexually assaulted on the job um, with Biden. She and she had reported sexual harassment from him um, officially back in '93." So there is a trail of um, that kind of official evidence and some witnesses she spoke to about it. Um, but she never filed anything about the sexual assault because she was already being retaliated against by her job. And, you know, he was a, he was a senator and um, she, you know, was on record saying who does she go to after the attack where he, uh, you know, in a semi-private area pinned her against the wall and, um, well, penetrated her with his hands. So that was the assault basically and um, and so Tara Reed, she from what I read she came out a few months back um, officially trying to come forward and she is from what I know she, she started to come forward um, herself non anonymously about it because to support um, you know now I'm like you're the name this is terrible um, the women some of the women who have come out against biden's uh sexual harassment um if i can track her name down here but so to support them she because there's been a lot of people discounting it and and uh you know saying oh it was a sexual harassment that he kissed you on the head and did all this stuff in a professional atmosphere and you know he's going to say yes so yeah it was harassment and um so she came out to support them um and say no there's validity to this and this happened to me you know there's, more serious allegations too. So, um, yeah, it's been ironic because so she went to she went to the nonprofit Times Up hmm. um, first, I believe, and they initially talked with her about her case because they have a legal defense fund for women um, to support women like this, and they told her they ended up telling her that they can't support her because a biden is a presidential candidate and it could threaten it could look like she would they were steering one candidate just to help another um which is that's you know reaching but they said that it could threaten their 501c3 status as a non-profit getting involved like that um which you know that's their legal cover and yeah, that's the ironic thing is there's all this smoke and mirrors that these people put out. These liberal institutions and leaders, um, instead of just outright calling her a liar, because their nonprofit is built off of supporting women who have been called liars, <laughs> um, and so they they pull all this other stuff in order to kind of keep the story uh, down. So because this, I mean that that can be poked through legally. It, it's not directly supporting a candidate um, or or an else, or a different candidate. Um, besides Biden, it, you, you, legally, they, it, it doesn't hold up. So, so there's times up. Then she, she also went to Elizabeth Warren's campaign, assuming that, you know, you've got these candidates like Warren who have been stating on the whole, you know, women, uh, the, the Me Too movement and, you know, and going off about how, you know, Bernie Sanders was uh, sexist for all these comments and stuff that he made. I mean, so these are candidates that are, that are, you know, jumping on that as opportunists, where I would take it seriously, typically, if it wasn't for, you know, the hypocrisy of like, you know, so then Elizabeth Warren has a chance to go after Biden with this and just says no and turns her down and said that she could. So apparently Elizabeth Warren's campaign responded to her asking for advocacy about this, um over the last few months, when Warren was still in the race as a candidate, um, saying that she should just go to local people and try to find advocates there. So, um, so you know, you've got someone who takes the opportunity to pull out, with no evidence, uh, some private comment that Bernie Sanders makes about sexism, but when somebody comes to you with an actual case of sexual violence by a candidate, you just let it let a drop you know so I mean there's all kinds of uh, hypocrites here in the Democratic Party that are being revealed by this um so far um yeah what's what's your do you have any uh do you have any other updates or that's the news I've seen so far from since she this broke a few days back
0: uh for me um something I've been finding uh interesting is uh Democrat voters right like just the regular people that you can find in social media i think a good place to find them is in closed groups because you know they're good folks are going to be a bit more candid if they're behind that closed wall and it really uh i i took some screenshots and like their apathy is powerful like um this one is uh from an a kamala harris group and uh right And their response, like, they didn't even respond to it at all. Like, this is, like, you know, about 24 hours after Katie Halper first dropped the original snippet. And they see a list, and it's a link to CNN saying the top 10 women Joe Biden might pick as VP. No one mentions the victim. No one says this might be a problem or anything. They just say, hey, Kamala... Uh, here's a verbatim quote from one, uh, Biden Harris, 2020 dream team reclaiming and redefining America in all caps, you know, uh, it's, it's tough stuff. Um, and here's one from a Democrat that I had noticed they unfriended my primary account, but I didn't notice until today when I wanted to see if they were talking about this. So they must have unfriended me a while ago when I just... Since 2016, I've been a little bit more quiet on the Bernie stuff because I, you know, a bunch of bootlickers and class-privileged people follow me, and I think maybe if I slow-walk them but after a while you realize no these are class privileged assholes that just hate that poor people are getting loud so i got louder and this this is one of the people that quietly unfriended me this is a madison page who actually works Mm. in the democrat party and back in Mm. 2015-16 she understood like hold your nose and vote clinton but it looks like madison page has grown more partisan and it's the way they look at this stuff right like I looked down Madison Page's profile, no post about it at all, but then she does have a post, yeah. just a generic one, and somebody on there um, asked the question, Oh, hey, what's happening with his sexual assault accusation? I saw like one post on it. And Madison's response yeah. is, um, is just, quote, It's awful and it's going to sink us. I read the alleged victim's account and I'm sorry, but it has a ring of truth to it. The things she recalls aren't the types of recollections you have. If you're making things up, it's concerning. But moreover, it almost doesn't matter if it's factual or not. The allegation alone is enough to cause problems. So to Madison Page, another woman... This is a problem for the race and not for humanity, rape culture, women's rights. No, for the race, it's a problem, and it's a yeah. whole ass thread. And I'm gonna post all the screenshots to com because I think that some of my lefties should see what how these folks are in their apathy. Have you seen anything like that? Yeah. Or
3: you know, um, I. In my anecdotally, in my own um, feed, my social media feed, I have seen very little excuses being made. I've seen more silence. And I've noticed, we've noticed um, through theory, um, the feminist organization I'm co-chair of, we, um, that we've you know, we, put out some articles with of, of the interview and the original story of uh, Tara Reed assault um and we've gotten very very little traction on it so i think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance from liberals um and people who just think you know it's inconvenient they don't know what to say because they're supposed to believe women they've been parroting that for two years but they don't know how to handle it when they see it as their guy against trump and they so they just like they just shut up they don't say anything you know um I also know some news articles that MSN posted it, and like msn.com, and then apparently the, the links went down. So when people clicked on it hours later, it, it didn't go anywhere. Um, so, you know, someone, either there's, you know, top editors, CEOs, people say, hey, you know, take the story down. Maybe Biden's campaign is actually, is actively going after people who, you know, mainstream sources that are starting to you know nibble on it but I don't know um but point is there's a lot of people just don't want to talk about it they're not going to smear her the same way um you know people smeared maybe you know say um the woman who came out against Kavanaugh but um it's still it's the same effect of not taking it seriously and not wanting it to affect the campaign um so yeah, I've seen a lot more avoidance of it than anything else. But I I do know that there's there's people out there and some strong voices that, um, that are saying things. And you know, Tara Reid has responded uh, herself about uh, questions that people brought forward about saying that she's just doing this because she's a Bernie Sanders supporter or something like that. And she said, you know, no, she's been, you know, basically, she's been a supporter of centrist Democrats, with the exception of Biden, for obvious reasons. And uh, she's also been, you know, called a Russian asset, that she's being used by the Russians um, because she's spoken out against kind of the Russophobia that, that occurred after the 2016 election from a blog post she made. I mean, so there's people really stretching, and that's, those are Democrats obviously, who are who are doing all that. So, um, I don't hear a lot of she's a liar. I'm sure it's out there, but uh, it's more just you know she's a Russian, oh, you know she's uh it's just trying to prop up Bernie, uh, which is still to me just
0: is deplorable. So. Yeah, and and then there's the the classic one in rape culture, and I I should also see you're you're you are rhetorically more responsible than me. I should also say anecdotally <laughs> that I'm seeing is um is the the classic rape culture one. Why come out about it now? The timing is suspicious,
3: right? And it's like, it, and she responded to that. She, you know, she said it's because other women weren't being taken seriously who have accused Biden. So she said it was time. You know, she had to speak out, even though it'll hurt. She's con- I think she does. What what is it? Um, I mean, she's a she's a contractor, but she does she does. Um, I forget exactly what about but i'm sure or for you know political things um, since she's that was her past career but i mean she lost her career for it these are common things that everyone's been discussing why you know why do the allegations against kavanaugh you know wait so long because people get destroyed by this they get threatened by this these are powerful people
0: Yeah, and it's one of the, like, something, like, those super sad moments, like, um, like, when someone learns something horrible because it's happening to them, like, you have this new language, relatively new language, like, doxing. And on the long-form interview that Katie Halper released after the snippet, she said that, like, by these, you know, these believe women liberals, she's actually been doxxed and threatened to have her house visited. Yeah. 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 Right? It, 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 it It becomes hard to comment on these goddamn shit. And, um, Business Insider yeah. over here, they, uh, businessinsider.com, they do have a list of, uh, eight times that they know of, that we know of, that Biden has, um, uh, been accused and, um, we have a, all right, here we go, all right, we started getting to some white people names that I can't pronounce, uh, Sophie Karasek, right. um, photographed holding hands and touching foreheads with Biden at the 2016 Academy Awards. While many saw the moment as powerful, Karasek said she felt Biden had violated her personal space. And um, down, uh, just the briefs on him, uh, Amy Stokes. Amy Stokes Lapos, Biden put his hands behind my head and pulled me close and I thought he's going to kiss me during a 2009 event. Uh, Caitlin Caruso told the New York Times that after she shared the story of sexual assault at the University of Nevada event in 2016, Biden hugged her just a little bit too long and put his hand on her thigh. And uh, DJ Hill uh, told the Times that at a 2012 fundraising event in Minneapolis, Biden rested his hand on her shoulder and began moving it uh, down her back. And she said the encounter made her very uncomfortable. And, of course, we have Alexandra Tara Reed. That is the uh, current topic. Uh, Vale Konert Yount. I might be mispronouncing some of this. Are you familiar with this name? I'm not, no. Okay, it's uh, V-A-I-L. I've never seen that before. K-O-H-N-E-R-T I think that's Konert and Y-O-U-N-T mm. Yount. remember for years I've been saying your name was Sprangler so I'd be fucking up some names <laughs> the um uh, this individual said up uh, is a former White House intern and they told the Post that she met Biden in 2013 he put his hand on my back on the back of my head and pressed his forehead to my forehead and like you see how he's Oh, and, and he said, and he called her a pretty girl. And you know what? Also, there is the the speech in rape culture, right? As well. And I remember um, back when I first started doing the podcast, and um, more men were tuning into the program. Now, like almost no men listen. When I look at my stats, and um, yeah, I used to like say, like you realize, like so, think about some of that shit that you guys yell when you're street harassing on the block or yelling out your car. And then link to this article yeah. of, uh, of an article of women that were rape victims and they were holding up signs. You may remember this from like 2014, signs of what the rapist said. And you can see in those signs that's some of the same shit y'all niggas be yelling out these fucking cars. And it's like you could be yelling out a rape victim what their rapist said, like something triggering in the moment while they're trying to go about their day. And you look at this shit that, um, yeah. that Joe Biden says, right? You're a pretty girl. Like, these phrases... Because rape culture, shit like that that one might perceive as innocent wording is some creepy, horrific shit. And did you... um, uh, The yeah. Tara Reid interview, did you hear the whole thing and what he said to her? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, so that's... I think that's some of the harassment stuff that he that she did file for with comments that he had been making to her yeah, previous before her attack as well. You know, things like, you've got nice legs, so I'm going to have you come serve the drinks more. And, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, maybe, you know, it, it's been a few days. I listened to it once, but um, maybe you remember the, the exact comments. Oh, yeah. But um, he does have a history of saying, you know, things but like, so something that's very a pattern with Biden is how he'll... Um, when something doesn't go his way, um, he, he's attacked, uh, you know, at his uh, his like town halls and then you know, rallies that he's hosted on his campaign. When somebody asks him a question and argues with him about something he doesn't like, you know, he's gotten very aggressive and he'll say things like, you know, you're nothing to me, you're you know, you're you know, you're. And, basically that's what he said to Tara Reid after the attack and she was pulling away from him as he attacked her and trying to not, because he was trying to kiss her while he, you know, was molesting her and, um, and she turned away and kind of froze and trying to, you know, just kind of not, you know, let him get even closer and he's looking at her and he says, you know what, I thought you liked me what, you don't like me? Okay, you're nothing to me. You're dead to me. Like, these comments that he, you know, 20, 30 years later, he's still saying that kind of stuff aggressively when things don't work out for him. So, I mean, it, it's a pattern of disregard for human life, you know, and they pattern that in misogyny all the time,
0: so. um Yeah. And, you know, when, you're, when you get familiar with these Joe Biden clips, like, when she told that story, there was another one, and it's, and it may seem innocuous, but like, it's so Biden when she said that when she tried to pull away, he said, oh, come on, man. It's like, how many times have he s- <laughs> right? That's so Biden? Yeah. Like, I swear he learned how to talk by watching black exploitation films. Come on, man. And um yeah. And I think about that, uh, that you're nothing to me. Right. So she she resists. She pulls away. She's like, no, fuck that and he's you're nothing to me and like again like in rape culture and harassment that i've witnessed in my life and heard of like that, that happened i hear that i could you could even point to where it was put into art in um in 1988 when the rap group nwa put out the straight out of compton album and uh and they have the uh the lyrics where they're talking about uh uh, a bunch of dudes in a car trying to hit on a woman and uh, and she's like no and they say in verbatim quote we all said fuck you bitch and kept going and it's like that's that same attitude across racial lines across class lines across settings it's that same attitude uh, from what I've seen yeah. from the age of five up to right now yeah Oh geez. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Let's
0: see So, you
3: know, I think when it comes to this election, you know, I still, you know, I you know, not to get too much in the tangent on the Bernie thing, but you know, I've I'm I'm not a Democrat. Um, I haven't been since I got radicalized like back in the Occupy movement and stuff. Um and but, you know, I see the prospect of Bernie and him definitely being not liked by the establishment, which says something, a seriousness to him, um, that the, the establishment is so determined to sabotage him on his, on his campaign twice in a row now. Um, you know, I think I think it's, it's a problem that he's, I know why he's running as a Democrat to get the access and the mainstream access for that, but his willingness to kind of turn around and you know, sheepdog, as Bruce Dixon from uh, Black Agenda Report called it back in like 2015. Um, to basically, they had a rally for the Democrats after they sabotage him, like he did last time, um, last election after the he lost the primary. And um, you know, so I'm wary of all that because I see the same train wreck kind of happening. Maybe this will turn it around. You know, being the, the Medicare for All guy. Uh, being pushed out of the, his camp, you know, his campaign in the midst of a pandemic, maybe that'll turn some surprises in this country. But you know, I all in all, I think the democrats really dug this ditch for themselves. And you know, unless something surprising comes out with Bernie, um, I think you know, that they, I, I hopefully it's gonna be part of the end of the democrats because I, I don't think. If, you know, Biden versus Trump. In the end, um, Trump will destroy him, and you know, and for good reason. You know, um, I think it'll be you know between Biden's cognitive decline and the all- these, uh the abuse allegations. He'll be even more unpopular than than um, than Clinton was, and there's even less. I feel even less. I mean, maybe, you know, you tell me if you've noticed this, uh, William, but there's even less enthusiasm for the kind of, oh, we'll hold our nose and just, you know, we don't like him, but we'll vote for him. So that's just to be Trump. I, you know, I see even less of that than I saw with Clinton's campaign. So, I mean, there's just so much apathy. There's so much, and there'll be even less people willing to put up with Biden now. Uh, You know, it's obviously the Tara Reid allegations are being silenced, but I think it's enough that it's just like, it's pushing so many people out of the formal political sphere that we have in the U.S. Um, It'll just be a train wreck. So, you know, more years of Trump. And if Democrats don't, the party doesn't implode by then, and you know, they don't learn their lesson, you know, then they get the government they deserve. You know, I hate to put it that way, but
0: yeah on some i think um like a little maybe somewhat intellectually lazy hot take that i I had maybe a few weeks ago was like a like msnbc is doing to generation x what fox news did to boomers and yeah you just have this huge wave of gen xers that have basically become radical centrists, and the center is so far to the right that they are like the new neocons. Like they're basically yeah. early '90s Republicans now. Like I, I look at them and I'm just like, well, Jesus Christ, uh, uh was it a uh, Nancy Pelosi is just Newt Gingrich out of San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah, and um, and I think that it. it I don't think it's going to get better. I think it is going to get worse because they're they're so deep in these echo chambers. And um, I was listening to David Feldman, uh, who's been in the game a long time, uh, wrote for the Jon Stewart program. Um, you know, that fool does like a seven hour podcast every week. It's ridiculous. And um, yeah. And oh, shoot. Brain farting on my thought there. <laughs> oh, darn it to heck. I lost my thought. At, mm. that, That's why I'm happy. We're not live now. I can edit that the hell out. <laughs> But, uh, oh yeah, well oh, yeah, he was saying that uh, that MSNBC. He stopped watching it a few months ago, and like he's been more emotionally healthy because MSNBC just is designed to make the viewer angry, and all day segment to segment, show to show, it's just there to make you mad. And because they are now this this old Jew from Brooklyn that was a carpenter, ironically. <laughs> fucking they have their sights set on the left so now you have all these people staring at this station for whatever hours they're not at work or socializing and whether it's rachel maddow chris hayes or if they're a little more conservative leaning maybe um um uh, morning joe you know or uh or if they want to feel like they're down with the black folks joe joanne reed's old funky ass and uh, and then we see them come on Facebook and Twitter, and we're like, "Why the fuck are you so mad at healthcare?" And it's like, "Cause they've been watching their version of Bill O'Reilly all day."
3: Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, when I um visited my family over over Christmas time, I was, you know, I I had about a week's worth of, you know, kind of a, with the. the centrist Democrat side of my family who watch MSNBC every day and they keep it on um, and it was very you know it was very disturbing to me because I, I don't keep up I, I rarely watch mainstream media um, but to have it in my face every day like that and watching it and watching you know some of my family members watching this it, it was very disturbing to just see how emotionally triggering. It was all intentionally made to be. And, you know, so this was when the the impeachment um, was being attempted. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. It seems like years ago now. It seems like, you know, oh, Christmas time and that whole season and the, the new year was years ago. <laughs> uh, just a couple months ago. Um, they uh, So the, the impeachment that was going on, and you would think that that was the only thing going on in the entire world for that week that I was watching all of that. It was 24-7 coverage. Of Trump, he said, she said, kind of reporting um, and praising Nancy Pelosi and all the symbolic stuff they were all doing. And it, it was, it was a, this, this is literally the only thing they covered all day, every day. And everyone, it's just, you know, with even, you know, Trump is terrible, but you you'd think that you would see reporters saying something besides, you know, well, now we're in the scariest time of America's life because of this president. And it's like, well, it's, where do you get that as a reporter to say emotionally triggering things like that as reporting? Why don't you report on the policies and what people are saying, um, responding to, if, if you, you want to go that route. But, well, I mean, let's just have these, opinion-based, entirely opinion-based journalism and see nothing ironic in that, it is really disturbing. and That being the mainstream media kind of just fall back for everything is, um, you know, we've, we've never been in a place of endangerment this much before. It's like, have you met America? I mean, it, it, you're not wrong, but you can't. It's, it's, the smoke and mirrors about it is it, just really disturbing. It, it was just a week of that and People eating it up like popcorn, and just seeing that this is the only thing happening in the world is, um, it, you know, it's
0: really a uh, pretty eye-opening and pretty disturbing. But yeah, and you know, it like and it, it reaches beyond that that mainstream thing. And like I, I remember trying to w- starting warning folks because you know, again, something that this. This, you know, this loudmouth Brooklyn Jew inadvertently did when he started running in 2015 was a bunch of folks that I thought were lefties or at least more left leaning. He made them out themselves. And it was just like so for some folks, it's like you think you're outside the mainstream. Like, oh, I get my my news from here and my commentary from there. But it's like if you're tuning into Bob Seska, you're going to get the same fucking message uh the same as if you tune into elon james white or imani gandhi and you know and it's kind of sad that i have to tell people like no here are some black people you totally shouldn't listen to because yeah they're gonna say racism exists and it's like but you already know that part right Okay, well, these black people that know racism exists, well, they're also feminist, and that's a good progressive uh, thing to look into and be, you know that, right? But it's like, but also, these are some class-privileged niggas that hate poor people, and when the Bernie Sanders campaign comes out, those were the first people I heard screaming Bernie bros, and it's the shit started to sink in on me, and I realized... Outside of political commentary, you know, on a podcast, you can kind of riff about what you want and you have casual openings, like how we talked about that uh, Tiger King for a second. I'm thinking, like, when I listen to this black show, what Imani Gandhi and Elon James White... Whenever they're doing a casual riff that's not news related, they're talking about driving around in big black SUVs or riding a hoverboard to brunch. They literally started a sideshow called We Brunch Hard and you realize like, Oh, these are not comrade at all in at any capacity. And so it's like, yeah. Imani Gandhi is a black woman, and guess what? You should not listen to jack shit she says. And I'll put some content because, like, a person's background can matter. Like, someone would be like, that's an ad hominem attack. But it's like, eh, it's more information to make you make a better decision on where you get your commentary. Because Imani Gandhi is a black woman who was raised by a white woman (laughs) and raised by a white woman and a black man that married a white woman and. As far as how my trajectory of growing up and ideologically, I can't front. When I see a black man with a white woman, I'm like, what's your deal, chief? Because, like, un- unless proven... Uh, before proven otherwise, that black man is a bootlicker until proven innocent. <laughs> Fucking... And, uh, and then also... Yeah, I get you. Yeah. And that white woman and that black man that married a white woman on purpose... They had the kind of class privilege that they paid for Imani Gandhi to go to school and she didn't have to take out student loans. So when she hears this loudmouth Brooklyn Jew fucking talking about shit like that, she's like, shut up, those aren't real problems. The only problems are racism and some slights because that's the only area where she might be marginalized, but her class privilege pulls her out of marginalization you know and like i look yeah, at, yeah and
3: and that's the thing now you know we get these this whole you know the whole resistance kind of liberals that have come out of the woodwork are supposed to be you know fighting for all these uh these causes that they were they were all absent on during the obama administration you know um and we're supposed to just kind of take this off as, like okay well they're fighting the, the the right fight now against trump and it's like but all it is, it's is very empty because Trump just exposes all these things that they've been complicit in, right? So now it's all about Trump. Now it's all, well, we have to fight against the, the greatest of fascism in our lives now. And now we have to do this. And now it's racist. And it's like, as if he's the, just getting rid of Trump will get rid of all of that, right? But, so, you know, you but you get all these pompadours in the media and the news and, yeah, the whole thing is they're, they're not threatened by these systemic issues. They're threatened by the fact that Trump came in hardballing and is like, I'm going to cut all the media out because they, because I'm not, he's not the establishment candidate. He was, he just came out with like, it's just all about me. He came out of right field and kind of like, oh, well, i got a billion dollars. So, you know, I'm mean, just going to trade on in here and bypass all the other politicians who are lined up to keep the system going really normally and he you know he didn't set up the media for it so you get that so there it's like the way i see it is like for the media people it's personal but then they get all these comfortors to come in to speak about these issues like you were discussing about you know more you know the black bourgeois coming into to, to, to now be the champions of these issues and it's like where you all been so what, what you know how? So you're the resistance for what? So it's not Trump, and it's back to the old normal. Like, you know, that it's not going to work. It's not going to fly, and people are apathetic about it because they know that you're you're not serious. You know, they might not impl- I don't know if everybody in this country intellectually grasps when people are a comprador, but they know that when someone isn't fighting for them, and it's it's a fluff. You know, and that's why there's, there's so little participation in this. But the media acts as if they're this great. There's this incredible movement going on against Trump. It's not, you know, it's not Biden and the whole Biden shit, you know, exemplifies that.
0: You know, now. All right. Now, right here. Now, this is the fun side of being an uneducated, ignorant person. I get to learn a new word. Are you saying pompadour?
3: Pompadour. Yeah. People who are set up to to uh, to turn on their own people. And that's that's you know, so you know like these these leaders like you were discussing, you know, people who get put up to speak for a certain group, and they get selected, right? They get selected by the ruling class, white supremacy, etc., to be the spokespeople on this. But their job is to turn on their own people. You know, I mean, okay. we could we could try we could pull out names all over the place, but you get the drift
0: oh yeah and, and and if you have any tangent on that because uh and i oh, okay this word starts with the letter p uh C. C. Oh, oh my goodness i looked up pompadour and i just saw like the vanilla ice haircut <laughs> and i was like what the fuck is this you
3: <laughs> know pompadour c-o-m-p-r-a-d-o-r i believe
0: Okay, there, now... I was in one
3: spelling bee in fifth grade, so I hope hope that I'll pay it
0: off now. Yep, you win. All right, there it is, a noun. A person within a country who acts as an agent for foreign organizations engaged in investment trade or economic or political exploitation. Now, Now, here I go tangenting, as it tends to go. Um... Now, like I just mentioned, like being an ignorant person, and um, but not 100%. Like I do, I say that, but it's like I became a news nerd at the age of 11, and um, so I had just constantly, you know, and the newspaper's 35 cents, so even a little broke ass child like I was can get some change together and get a newspaper every single day for literally from Mm -hmm, the age of 11 up until i left washington state i read that paper every day so i remember during the clinton administration literally reading like about the telecommunications act that he signed and like what the fuck this doesn't look good or the um you know
3: rarely any americans rarely any americans do that so you know your um, your self your self-depreciation is uh is endearing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everything,
0: go on. <laughs> Yeah, and you look, you see, like the the Welfare Reform Act, or like one of them, because there's such good journalism in those goddamn print newspapers. One pretty long article. It went from, you know, how it starts on the front page and then like continue on page yes. six. And um, you continue on page six, and it's like, so what this person was doing was damn near what, like, podcasters do today, and they were critiquing mainstream media with their article. And um, it was a story meant to, like, demonize a uh, a black boy, like, this horrible, like, six-year-old killer, but come to find out... Why was the? Why did this six-year-old bring a gun to school and shoot another student, uh, you know, playing with the gun like it was a toy? Well, he was left at his uncle's house, and his uncle is not a responsible adult to be left with, but his mother didn't want to leave him there. But because of Bill Clinton's work for welfare program, she had to leave her children somewhere and be bussed out to go be temp labor service and he fleshed all that yeah. out in that long article so like i remember hating democrats you know as a little 12 year old on the on the damn school bus like yo fuck these motherfuckers yeah. but like an earlier in the episode mm-hmm. you said when you got radicalized so like what were you before and what changed and how um you
3: know i mean i grew up in a pretty liberal democrat family So, um, you know, my father's a jazz musician and photographer. Um, my mom works in, uh, is self-employed with, uh, kind of real estate based research basically, um, and works for title companies and such. Anyway, um, you know, I, uh, I, I, grew up going to, you know, a Catholic school and things like that kind of, uh. You know, my family kind of trying to push up the border into middle class by by those things. Uh, but, you know, so, but growing up in an artist family, you know, I ended up going to art school. And that's what, how I came to Chicago, by the way. I'm from St. Louis. Um, and, you know, so I'm in Chicago. That was, what was this, my uh, sophomore year of college at the Art School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And, you know, I, I, so I ended up. My, I, I was going around to protest and kind of sticking my head into the, the, the early Occupy Chicago protest in 2011. And um, I, I for me, I, I was starting to go to those protests and I saw a general assembly and I didn't know how to get into it. You know, I, I actually wrote an article about recently about Occupy, which I can pass on to you, but um, uh, kind of the issues inside. They, they have this very public forum. You know, anyone could come up and speak. I don't know if you ever had any contact, William, with the occupy movement, but um, they, you know, it it was this whole kind of direct democracy. Anybody can come up in the public forum and vote and get involved. And there was that aspect, but if you but there was also a lot of social codes and kind of social currency that was happening in that where if you were popular and part of these other kind of niche um Movements and political organizations that kind of in the background ran everything, and kind of had their their club. You know, there was that kind of stuff. So, you know, I came around and I like, oh, this these cool people are speaking, but I don't know if I can go. up. I've never done this before to go up and get in line to speak to hundred people at an assembly in the in you know in Grant it's just in the middle of Grant Park or um the you know the plaza the Congress Plaza downtown. Um, so I ended up you know. So I I went around to really get involved and then comes the NATO protest in 2012. I remember it was like the end of May, 2012. Then I go to that protest and I, you know, it's real inspiring when you're new to this stuff and you get around all these people who are talking about politics and, you know, just on the streets and interacting, you know, and so I get swept up in the NATO protest one day because I'm downtown all the time for school. Um, where the campus is for our institute and um, so I I just talked up in this protest for like hours and and kind of and um, ended up staying at the end of McCormick place the end of the the NATO protest where the you know veterans against uh, veterans for peace or veterans against the war you know um, threw their medals back to uh, McCormick place where the NATO conference was um, that weekend and then they told everybody to go and like okay well the you know the permanent march is over everybody's supposed to go and you know, that's it. Close so up shop. You know, and then so thousands of people left. You know, at that point, all of the nonprofit organizations that were involved in it, they all, you know, hightailed about out. Um, the professionals and stuff. And then, a, a whole bunch of hundreds and hundreds of people stayed and were like, "No, we're not leaving. You know, we're not done. that's part sort of a protest. We don't leave when you tell us to leave." You know.
1: Um,
3: so anyway, so I ended up been swept up, and then I got arrested. So I get grabbed by the hair and got arrested that night. Um, and spent the night in jail, met a bunch of other people who got arrested. Um, it was like 40, 50 people who were arrested that night. Um, anyway, so um, when I got out of it, when I, about 2 in the morning when they, they, they pushed me out of the jail and stuff, it was for a little misdemeanor charges that got dropped, um, resisting arrest or something. Uh, they, I met all these people outside who were actually in jail support. And uh, meeting the people who got released, who were arrested that night from a occupy and stuff, and so I met a lot of people that way, and very quickly got swept in. It was a very intense experience, so you know, um, ended up meeting all these people and organizers, and saying, you know, okay, this is this is a very real, visceral experience of how fucked up politics is, and now it gives me something to challenge my worldview. so that's how I started getting into socialism, meeting organizations and organizers and figuring out how pe- people are active in politics in a way that I didn't understand before. And I don't think any American understands and if they're not doing everything. is your you know, your only avenue to get involved is, you know, voting for an asshole every, you know, four years. And that's what you call politics. That's not a way of engaging you and how you... People don't feel like they can really... You know, the, the privileged get the sense that everything works for them. And for most other the white people, you know, they, they get the sense, that, oh, the system works for them and they vote that way. But a lot of people outside of that and more and more increasingly, I think, in America, they, they don't know that there's a way that they can actually engage and change the world and that they, they can stand up and talk about it. And there's groups and people who care, you know. Um, so Occupy, I, I think, opened that up for a lot of people and a radicalized a lot of people like me to that process. Um, so, yeah, you know, from there, you know, Occupy was real fucked up in a lot of ways. I'm not going to go on the tangent of that for now, but um, but it's it, stuff like that. It, it builds a bridge for people to start getting involved in meeting local organizations and stuff, you know. So That's, that, that, that's what pushed me over the edge into a, you know, point of no return revolution or, you know.
0: Hmm and you you had said um if i if i had any uh contact i did not and um i actually haven't done anything that could even be argued as activism uh since like my late teens i get like my my wife uh, fiends kalita she always says well you're an activist in this way or that way like with like how i function in the workplace like um Like, when I see black women in the workplace, I try to go and give extra help. Um, You know, I've given away, like, my tools and whatnot. Um, When I was in Florida working in the restaurant, when black women got hired, I'd uh, push them through, you know, management fast track and get them transferred to a better location. Because when they got hired to the location I was at, that was just, like, fucking dude bro central And it's just better to get them moved up out of there. My wife calls that activism, but I've never, I haven't had boots on the ground, like actually doing something on purpose for a specific uh, outcome since I was about 17. And um, when Occupy cracked off, um, I I don't even know if they did anything like that in Florida. It's such a right leaning libertarian wasteland. And um, I had just started, like, I just found podcast at that time. So while it's happening, I'm listening to these independent journalists interviewing folks from there and, like, you know, like Lee Camp and heads like that. And they're telling about, like, how police are actually, like, knocking folks in the head so hard that, like, two people in California died from just getting hit with a baton so hard. A, A young woman in New York that wasn't even a protester, she was just at the park to meet friends, so she didn't even know what was going on, and a cop rocked her in the dome so hard that she went into a seizure and um, and falls to the ground... And um, shit, there was actually video. And she's wearing a, a goddamned uh, skirt. And, of course, that goes up. So now she's all exposed on the ground, shaking in a seizure. And I was just like, these things are, it's yeah. not, not the Occupy protest is horrible. But what American police do is that shit where, that, here comes the tangent, um, whenever I see my fellow lefties, you know, goddess bless you. Uh, but when you say, "Why aren't we doing yellow vest out here?" It's like nigga, look at the Ferguson tapes. <laughs> All right, <laughs> like nigga, we will get fucked up. And you, and if we wear yellow vest, that's literally putting on a uniform to say, "Hey, I'm the one whose head you need to bust, officer. Come bust my head." <laughs> like, no, we can't do that shit yeah. out here.
3: Yeah. And, you know, with the Yellow Vest, I feel like, you know, France has a long tradition of feeling like their their government owes them, you know, public, you know, rights and a certain amount of equity. Um, Look at the French Revolution, you know. (laughs) We had the American Revolution, which was a huge, uh, what, uh, a huge just transfer of private wealth from, you know, the motherland of England to a bunch of colonizers to have their slave-owning plantation rights on their own in in the United States, so we call that, you know, a revolution. France cuts people's heads off (laughs) for poor poor people. So they, you know, not obviously massive there. France doesn't have its issues and colonial, uh, uh, you know, remnants still Financially, socially, everything. But um, I think they have. They feel like their public is owed something, and in the United States, everything is so individualistic. Um, I, I think it's a lot harder to to kind of the, the consciousness for that kind of movement isn't you know isn't the same when it comes to it from a class analysis. I think um, obviously there's you know there's great movements um, but bridging it all. It has been really you know. Um, I think it's it's more difficult here.
0: I mean, and that's a huge can of worms, I and mean, but um. yeah, yeah. I'm telling you that this, this stuff is fantastic. And again, I'm I'm looking back at your audio, and you're one of those people. Your voice is super easy to engineer. I'm, that's that's that good shit, man. As the person behind the board, I'm like, yeah, easy day at work on this one. Now, um, now. Now this is a big reason why I zeroed in on you and focused in on you, cause like you don't just post mm-hmm. the shit, but I see you in your own comment section, and somebody will have a question, and you'd be like, ah oh, well, this is what I've read and what I'm familiar with, and here's a link to an article here, and a whoop-de-whoop and whoop-wop-wop, and I'm like, yo, this is this is the communication. This shit is constructive, like. Is there anything, um, like, a, a general topic or something historical that you're pretty knowledgeable of that you can just riff off the top of your head about and educate folks on? Um. Well, I, you know, I'd like to think I have a
3: decent historical analysis just to uh, to use on things, but... Um you know, I, I think being able to kind of riff with current events that are happening and being real about it. I mean, that's the thing, is you'll get a lot of people who will talk, you know, kind of do a historical analysis, for instance, of, you know, current events and political events happening. But these, you know, the academic approach is just very, you know, that's, that's great and all, but be, I think relating to people is...
0: Uh oh! Did your is your phone line still on? Yeah. Can
3: okay. You. Can you hear me?
0: Okay. It it dropped right in the last like fifteen seconds.
3: Is it back to normal?
0: Yes. Yeah. So we missed a okay. little bit of what you said there.
3: Okay. Yeah. I mean, what a, I was kind of, I rambling a bit, but what I guess what I'm trying to say is what I, what I try to do in my social media feed because. I am in an organization where we do on-the-ground work, like our self-defense training and things like that, is you, you see the reality in front of you of people, not from looking from the outside in on them like academics would in a study strictly, um, but understanding when you're involved in something, in a movement or whatever it is, when you organize, you get a critical component of what needs to happen next, that is a sheerly academic approach, I think, to Whatever you're posting, if you're doing social media or trying to do any kind of online advocacy, um, you have to have that, you know, not just, oh, this is what happened, and this is history, and this is why it's important, but, like, understanding the real, what is vital for people on the ground right now, um, what really matters to people, kind of cutting through that while being able to have historical analysis. I think that's the kind of stuff people need to do. I, you know, I try to do that, I think, but... Um, being able to blend a lot of those approaches I think is what makes things realer for people and what will make people kind of stick because the media isn't really talking about the real stuff that people need Um, academics are inaccessible and you know trying to paraphrase maybe France Fanon here I don't know if you're familiar with his work like Wretched of the Earth but he did a you know scathing uh uh writing on academics and the bourgeois and the black bourgeois is writing about pan-Africanism saying that you know basically uh, they will stop when things it's kind of like when you know when the fire gets really hot they will turn into cowards and just kind of um you know they have all this analysis they've done all the studies they've had the privilege to do all these studies on you know, movements and revolutions, or whatever it is. But when it happens, people will stop, and they'll stop being relevant because they have their own interests. You know, they're not involved; they're not on the ground. Um, this isn't life and death for them. So when things get hot, they'll go silent, or they'll they turn. You know. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to say if you if you're looking at trying to have a historical analysis or whatever you bring, um, you have to make it real for people. It's not just a study; it's people's real lives. And it's real stuff going down. And we need to be, you know, that's what people want to follow. That's what people that's why people follow your show, you know, being really relevant in their lives right now and little less and less makes sense for people, I think. So, you know.
0: Uh, that's and
3: everybody's stuck inside right now. Well, I don't want to say everybody, obviously, you know, working class people are still going out working, yourself included. So but many, many people are stuck inside right now. And all they're doing is looking online for answers. So this kind of stuff, you know, becomes more and more relevant.
0: Oh my goodness. And you just made me think two things, right? What you just said toward the end there about folks still going to work, like how capitalism is just a big fancy slavery system. And like, I'm pretty sure anyone, if I say out loud the words freedom papers, Well, anyone who knows this program or programs like it, like, you know, Freedom Papers, where, like, if you're a black man at a time when there was uh, chattel slavery, but you're not a piece of property, you have to have your Freedom Papers on you to move about. And, And it's like, right now... I ha- we keep a letter from my job in the car that says I'm an essential worker, so if we get pulled over, we can show that letter with the company logo that, no, I'm on my way to, to, to go be exploited for my labor, so I'm good. I should be in the street right now. <laughs> and, like, that's 2020. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the stuff
3: I've been seeing coming out, um, you know, i I got into an argument with somebody I knew from the Occupy movement, and this is some of the toxicity that's, you know, an example from that movement. Um, there's a lot of people who came in with their own issues, you know, and while well, Occupy tried to be the very umbrella movement and encompass everything from the 99% who were being harmed by the 1%, you know. Um, they ultimately had a lot of people who, who didn't get involved in each other's struggles and couldn't understand each other's struggles and... And then you had the, the white kind of class reductionist socialists there that try to dominate a lot. Um, but, you know, I was arguing with someone the other day who said, uh, you know, well, cause, so the, the trash um, collectors in, I think it was Philadelphia, are going on strike. Yeah. So and they want hazard pay. They want, you know, sanitation for, you know, in, in their work to protect them from, um, you know, the virus. And, um, and somebody commented, you know, that's important and all, but, you know, my need is a socialist. Um, but I have to work, but, you know, it's hard for me to feel sorry for them when they don't come in as close contact as me. I have to do, you know, and so this person was like a, like an Instacart deliverer or something and they're going on strike too. So, you know. Um, but this was before the that Instacart announcement of their strike, um, this, these food delivery folks. Um, you know, but it's, I have to go and I can't unionize and I can't take any days off. I don't have any health insurance. These folks do. And it's hard for me in a pandemic. If they shut down, things are going to be worse for all of us because the trash doesn't get picked up. That's worse sanitation. And I, was, I basically, you know, wound it back around and said, well, you, see, you support forced labor. Right. If you say that right now you have to suspend their rights to fight for a better job condition, you know, not only just because you're comparing it to yourself, which is a problem, but because they they can't in a pandemic, they have to take care of everybody else and they have to suffer worse labor conditions on the front lines because you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, there's so much. Like forced, it's like so. You realize that you're advocating for forced labor and a suspension of those rights. You know, you know. I'm not somebody who who looks at the whole, you know, easy um, pandemic as oh, it's martial law and that's the only plan. Like, no, I, I I understand to an extent. If we had a government that cared about us, they'd be doing a better job at quarantine, and we we wouldn't be financially strapped during it. But. So I don't think it's all, you know, oh, this is only to take away our rights. You know, I think certain things need to be done by the government right now. But the whole concept of now we're actually going to suspend certain labor rights because we need it for the good of all. That's not how this works. And that's how we got in this situation in the first place. We could have been over it by now, like China, because they took care of their people, you know. But
0: instead, we're stuck with this, and people whittling around about who gets right and who doesn't right now. Ah, yeah. huh. see, and that that that's that. See, like when I when I hear you say these things, so I read, i be like, that's a that's a real grown up right there. Like that's a real adult. I come on here and joke about white on white crime a lot, <laughs> but like that's a real serious analysis. That was out. That's outstanding. I think. um, Well, another thought you brought to my head uh, with uh, people relying too much on historical context, it made me think of the fact that you can never really reinvent an experiment. So like, yeah, you can have your historical context, but it's like, okay, so what was happening back then? Uh, climate change wasn't where it is now technology isn't where it is now Uh, what fashion popular culture wasn't where it is now the visibility and existence of transgender folks wasn't where it is so yeah you really the historical context may help a little bit with some is some quotes or some good ideas a reminder to love your neighbor but now yeah even Ten years later, it's gonna be so much more different, right? Like ten years ago, a transphobic joke would just fly in such a different way than it would now. Yeah. Yeah, so uh damn, yeah, we've rolled over an hour a little bit. Um is now mm-hmm. and, and you've you've said the word socialist, so before we get out, could we bring you back on the program to talk about what what you um how you would define it and yourself as a socialist and um maybe ideas or policies that you'd like to see implemented.
3: Yeah, we could definitely get into that. Um absolutely.
0: All right. And um it's overtime uh, season at my job again, so my schedule's gonna be a little unpredictable. Okay.
3: Yeah, well, whenever, you know, whenever you want to do this, you know, this stuff gets more and more important, so I'm happy to um, be back on. You know, another thing we could talk about, you know, since I know this has gone long, is um, really what, you know, things are speeding by so fast with this pandemic. Um, You know, we didn't even get a chance to get into what's happening economically, what's what's crashing, what are things going to be like when this pandemic, whenever, however it it, um, ends what happens after i mean there's so much going on so much that activists need to be kind of recalibrating for that the amount of people who are planning to go on strike right now just because not because they ideologically feel it's their right but just because they, they have to it's it's changing things fast so there's a lot to talk about um, with you i'm sure so
0: oh yeah and i think <laughs> that's i think that's a side effect of the trump administration in this era is for independent content creators we have to lose a lot of show notes because by the time you go live, the story has been updated.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, folks. Chelsea yeah. Springler, the proper pronunciation, and uh, if I remember right, is the name Irish.
3: Uh, German. Yeah. German. So, I'm I'm certainly not uh, sensitive about how you say it. You say it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do. I, I, I try to get it right. I want I want to be as good as um yeah. A, as Amy Goodman with Democracy Now. with pronouncing names like Greta
1: Thunberg.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, so I'm gonna get the heck out of here. And so and... These,
3: uh, these, I understand these these exotic uh, European names can be hard to hard to understand. So I I, I have patience.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, now nah, my uh, Phoenix Collider in her government name. It's a Polish name and yeah there's consonant letters yeah. all over the place. <laughs> I don't know why.
3: Yeah.
0: Like do I properly yeah. pronounce this by just chewing something crunchy? Is that how it sounds?
3: No works. No works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, institution. Yeah, yeah. Uh
0: all right, and you be safe and uh me, I will definitely be safe because tomorrow I'm gonna grab my wrenches and jump on a skyjack and do go do preventative maintenance on stuff whatever it is they assign me to all
3: right yeah you're you staying working as an essential worker now you you know you're you're a hero too bad they don't pay you a hero
0: pay oh yeah, yeah. well the the people need their sour patch kids. It's very important okay. that I get this stuff packaged.
3: Yeah. All right, William. Take care and uh, hope you and your family
0: uh, stay safe. Yeah. Judy was
2: boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa.
0: Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>